0: The transfiguration, the event which happens in this passage read to us this morning from the Gospel of Matthew, appears in exactly the same place or order in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It follows Peter's confession of Christ when Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And it comes after Jesus first predicts his own death. And it comes six days, we are told, after this prediction, that Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a high mountain by themselves. It's quite unusual to have a precise indication of time such as this in the New Testament, at least before the beginning of the Passion story, that short final period in the life of Jesus when each day is marked. Maybe the reason for this is that it refers to Exodus chapter 24, where after six days, God speaks to Moses on Mount Sinai. The mountain being presented as the point where human nature meets God. The place for humans and the eternal. And in the reading from Exodus this morning, Jesus himself, not Moses, I should say, In the reading from Matthew this morning, Jesus himself, not Moses, is that connecting bridge. He is that point between heaven and earth. James and John, up a high mountain, when they go, um, must be wondering what on earth is going on. And we wonder what is going through their minds. What would you do after Jesus protects his death, your master? And then he says, come and climb a mountain with me. Of course, they were familiar with Old Testament scripture and what happened to Moses on Mount Sinai. In the fourth century, this mountain was identified as Mount Tabor. It was in lower Galilee, although none of the gospels name it specifically. But we only have to read the psalms to understand mountains speak of stability and security to the people then and us today when we read them. There is a comfort in looking up to the mountains and God's people are told frequently to lift their eyes to the mountains as we are encouraged to do so. To be reassured that the God who made the mountains will not let his people down. And the disciples would know that in Jewish scripture, taber means choice, purity, and bruising. Indeed, what was going through their minds, if anything? For everything must have unfolded very quickly. Suddenly, Jesus was transfigured before them. Matthew is keen, as are Mark and Luke in their Gospels, for us to see and understand the eternal glory of this second person of the Trinity, although throughout the New Testament it is normally hidden. We don't get the full picture with Christ's life here on earth. The Transfiguration is significant for us today because it confirms the divinity of Jesus, as well as demonstrating how he fulfills the Old Testament scriptures. We can only imagine how shocked the disciples were. What would we do if we were on the top of a mountain with someone and he is suddenly turned into a pool of light right before our eyes? And it might seem strange to us that Moses and Elijah appear and stand before Jesus. Again, it is Old Testament imagery, something the disciples are very familiar with. It was showing them that Jesus is the successor to Moses and Elijah, and he has fulfilled their calling here on earth. It is now Jesus bringing a new covenant from God to all his people. And When God's voice is heard coming from the bright cloud enveloping them, he is reassuring the disciples that even though Jesus must suffer, They must listen to him and obey him. This transformation of Jesus right before them, so that his face shone and his clothes became as white as the light they were bathed in, really must have been extraordinary. The transfiguration is exalting, it is glorifying, but it is not just an unforgettable experience for the disciples. It is much, much more, for it marks a spiritual change in them. However, the time is not yet right for the disciples to tell others about the experience. In fact, as they are coming down the mountain, Jesus asks them not to tell anyone what they have seen. We wonder why, and then we grasp it. First, their experience has to sink into their own lives and into their own, if not understanding, but at least into their feelings and their approach. It will begin to enable the changes that will happen to each of them. Their understanding will be on firmer ground, and Jesus will now be able to use this for all the things he has to communicate to them before he leaves them and his life on earth. Most of all, they have to trust that Jesus knows exactly who he was and what he was doing when he entered Jerusalem to be betrayed, denied, tortured, and crucified. There are two important details here. Matthew tells us of this event to make the identity of Jesus Christ perfectly clear because for the rest of his gospel, he's going to focus on the opposition to Jesus. Secondly, this passage is also about the wind of change blowing through their lives. Immediately before Jesus takes Peter, John and James up the mountain, he tells them and the others he must suffer, die and be resurrected on the third day. He will again tell them this after they come down from the mountain. That is, he will tell Peter, James, John. What happens on the mountain takes place between these two statements by Jesus about the coming changes. It is more than just information and more even than a warning. Maybe this event we call the transfiguration was about preparing and helping the apostles to receive the coming change in their lives. And maybe it all has some, also has something to do with us, to teach and show us about how to live in the midst of change. This could even be the reason why the Transfiguration is the gospel we hear on the last Sunday in Epiphany before we enter the season of Lent. A season that can al- alter our lives if we let it focus faith more deeply maybe on change where we have been and where we are going for change whether on the mountaintop of life or in the valley of life's shadows is the reality for all of us the changes we here have experienced the changes happening in our lives right now the changes that we hope for or the changes that we fear happening. What handholds are here for us in the ever-changing world around us and for those things that are going on within us or within our families? It is not about whether these changes are good or bad. There's no judgment there. What it is about is how we handle these things that happen to us, these changes, sometimes sudden and sometimes coming to us gradually. There are so many voices speaking to us, voices of the commentators telling us what is happening and what should be done, the voices of second-guessing and fear, particularly in our newspapers and on the news programmes. And I don't know about you, but I've never seen so many political programs suddenly sprout up where everybody is being asked their opinion of what is going on in the world. The voices of self doubt and self criticism, and all the would-ofs, should and could So many voices cry out for our attention, not all of them helpful. The story of the Transfiguration says there is only one voice to listen to. The voice of God speaks from the bright cloud overshadowing Peter, James, and John. This is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I wonder if you remember that wonderful BBC uh, radio program that was on some years ago, probably many years ago. getting very bad at judging time, it focused on various world events and discussed what if. So for example, what if the Archduke Franz Ferdinand hadn't been assassinated and it had been someone else? Well, then there would have been no Austro-Hungarian war, and so on. Let's ask ourselves, what if, in the midst of change, and potentially distressing events, we seek to hear and listen to that one voice, the voice of God. What if we keep our ears open to what he is saying in our life and world today? To let his concerns and desires become our concerns and desires? To see the world through his eyes? To let him be the judge? not us. To let his way of engaging with people and the world become our way, instead of listening to all those other voices. It would mean that those voices didn't have the final word, nor would the change or changes that come upon us. For that other voice is larger and more powerful than all the others. This voice speaks life to us, Words of hope, forgiveness, mercy, generosity. Words of courage, love and healing. These are the words that God speaks to all of us. But are we even hearing, let alone listening? C.S. Lewis, in one of his books, makes the point that God is always there and he's always speaking to us. We might not always hear him correctly or we might not always hear what we want to hear and we might not always hear when we want to hear, but he's always there. And when we can't hear his voice, it's usually because it's us who have walked away from that voice. We can no longer hear it because we are no longer near it. We've walked away from it. We have all faced change or an event that has caused us to stumble. It's life, isn't it? Sadly. The three disciples, Matthew tells us, fell down terrified when they heard God speaking out of the cloud. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. But it's more than just get up. The more literal translation from the Greek word is rise, to be raised up, be roused from the dead. It's the same word Matthew uses when Jesus heals the paralytic, telling him to rise, to stand up, to face the world. He's alive. Jesus Christ comes to us in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. When our steps are shaky and when we stumble, he touches us and he says, get up, be raised. It is the promise that though life has changed, it has not ended. Somehow new life is hidden in the midst of change. Even when we can't see it, or we don't believe it. God promises us life even amidst the horrors we are seeing in the world. One of the survivors from the earthquake who was able to speak incredibly was asked how they'd managed to hang on and he said I had hope. No food no water, complete blackness and uncertainty, but he had hope. God is our shepherd and we know his voice from all the other voices. His voice is our assurance. We are not called to be fearless but to have courage in him. Let our lives be filled with God's presence. Listen to him be raised up, not to be afraid, let us, like the disciples, stand on firmer ground. Amen.